Genesis is the 12th chapter, and the message is entitled Walk in Faith. There's a time, I believe, that is now that we need the favor of the Lord. Our nation needs the favor. Our church needs God's favor. Family after family needs the favor of God. We want more blessing and more blessing and more blessing. We pray, God, keep your hand upon my kids, my grandkids, my business, my church, my family. Keep your hand upon, and we pray those things. We're asking for God's blessing over and over and over again. I guess the real blessing, when we ask for blessing, so many times it has to do with the material things. God, I'd like a raise. That'd be really nice. And you even use this trump card. God, and if you'll give me a raise, I promise you, I'll be faithful in my tithe. Just go ahead. I'm praying that God will give you a raise. The point is, I'd rather have from God, I think, a couple things. Favor and approval. Amen? Favor and approval. And, of course, his grace and mercy and all of that. We know that it's our choice to say, God, I want to live on a journey whereby my faith grows. Now, many of us would say, I'm not praying for patience, buddy, because I know if you want patience, you got to go through tribulation. Why don't you just give it up? You're going to go through tribulation, period. Because you're not going to be able to grow anything without there be what is considered to be growing pains in your life, in your family, in your, in your business. To claim God's blessing takes a positive confession, but it takes more than that. It takes a positive action on your part to begin to suit up with the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life and say, I'm going after everything that God has for me. Now, that was Abram. In our text tonight, in the 11th chapter and the 12th chapter, it says Abram. I want to call him Abraham. I know that he's not Abraham yet, but by the time we get to the end of the message tonight, he'll be Abraham. So just right up front, not going to cross the names, going to say Abraham. Abraham said, I, I want God's favor. I want to live toward that blessing. I just want to believe God. And when I say, God, I want more blessing, here are two things I think God might ask us. Okay, what are you doing with the blessing I've given you? And what are you going to do with the blessing that's coming your way? It is impossible for God to bless you unless you're already using the blessing he's already given you. Because why? He's a good steward of what he gives out. You see, a good steward. So we know we lived in that blessing. So here's some of the promises that God has given to Abraham in Genesis 12. Okay, you're going to have a new land. That's good. You're going to have a great, be a great nation. Your name is going to be great. You're going to have my favor. Okay, Lord, bring it on, man. I'll take all that. I'll take Jeremiah 11 anytime. Just bring all that on. But here's the reality. Can God trust you? Can God trust you in a tight time to maintain a stature of faith? So you might ask yourself, what does it take to shake you? What does it take to warp you? What does it take to really discourage you? What does it take to cause you to get to the place you think, wow, I don't know, I've been doing a lot of things right, but God... God said, okay, let me, let me find the sweet spot. 
And we understand that it's going to require to be able to grow in the Lord. I want to give you three levels that I think Abraham went through. And so in order to get where God wants you to be or me to be, uh, there, you have to move. Now, I'm not saying change addresses, but you're going to have to move spiritually. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Now I'm going to slow read. All right, let's segment it. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, comma, that's a geographical location, your people and your father's household, that's relationships, and go to the land, a new geographical location that I will show you. Not one that you already know. Not one that you've already looked and Googled and said, that is a fine piece of real estate right there. You go to the land and I'll let you know when you get there. You see, I'm convinced that change is necessary for God to do what he has not done in you before. Something in that regard has to change. And God knew it. He said, all right, Abraham, you're going to change. Here's the promise. Move away from your country and your family. Why is that important? God knew as he looked. But let me tell you what, what they did, just in case, uh, you know, you might wonder how this kind of works. Because if you look in your Bible and you look in the 11th chapter, and we're out of the 12th chapter, here's what happened. It says, Hera took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. They set out to go to where? Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, where were they headed? Where did they settle? Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Where should he have died? Canaan. So we already have a problem with listening to the acute instruction of God. We're doing pretty good. This looks pretty good. They have the finest restaurants here in Haran. We can make some money. Real estate is reasonable. We're not at Canaan. We're tired. And off we go. And it was that place of comfortable, familiar places, comfortable surroundings, familiar atmosphere, crutch or support, so to speak, an apathetic influence. I mean, they had, they had influence, and, and it was kind of a safety net. But there was no faith necessary, not the kind of faith that Abraham was going to need. There was no faith necessary to stay right where he was at. His heart had become status quo. His family had gotten to the place and said, well, we're doing pretty good. This is as good as it gets. And God knocks on his door. Here's what Abraham had. He had, God needed him to have mature faith, but where he was at, he had an immature faith. You see, you don't know what God has in store down line from you. 
You don't know. But God knows that at this moment, hey, for you to enjoy and for you to be powerful and for you to be anointed and for you to accomplish my will that I get the glory, we got some faith work to do on you. We've got some knocking around a little bit. He was 75 years of age and told to do this. I want you, remember, I want you to forsake your stable environment. I want you to give up your codependency on others. It's time to rise up and walk and claim your blessing. What did he do? He made the wrong choice. Why? He had what is called immature faith. He took lot. Now, what did the Bible say? I don't want you to take any of your family. I don't want you to take any of your relatives. But what did he do? He took lot. Well, I need Lot. I mean, I'm 75, Lot's younger, and I'm needing him. He's a good little businessman, so I'm going to take him. But he, he'd miss what God wanted him to say. In perfect faith, he went to Egypt for help instead of staying in the land of promise. When there became a drought, when the difficulty came, what did he do? Let me take the, the path of least resistance. I can fix this because, buddy, I'm a strategist. I'm not going to stay where God has assigned me. I'm going to take a little shortcut to the path of least resistance and go there. And what Abraham did not know that God was now taking him on a journey toward his blessing instead of his disobedience. The greatest change was going to take place in Abraham, in his heart. In his spirit, it wasn't going to take place in Lot, wasn't going to take place in his business, wasn't going to take place in his country. The greatest change was going to take place in Abraham before God can build in us most of the time. Some things in our lives need to be leveled. Pride, dependency on other people, dependence on past results, forsaking other idols. Oh, yeah, even in the church we can have little idols. Unfortunately, God, to do in you what he's never done before, you're going to need to be willing to make a decision that you've never made before that will give God permission to move you forward. It starts in your heart. I'll go where you want me to go. Dear Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. And God says, okay, let's strike fire. And let's see. Let's strike fire. And let's see. Here's the second thing. You got to seek him. Change is necessary, but when you change and you start launching out, you got to seek him. Sharon and I are in our 20, early 20s, 21, 20. Our first church. My parents, her parents, were petrified. We're moving away from our home. We're going to a place where they have mosquitoes as large as B-52 bombers. <laughs> and we have nothing we went to Badcocks. We bought used furniture. We bought a burnt orange couch. Burnt orange. Do you know why? It looked the best of all the other junk. That's why we got it. It looked the best of all the other junk. We got that. Sharon's car. 
Sharon's car, we had, from Winter Haven to Bregnan, we had to stop along the road out there and fill the radiator up with water because it would overheat about every 25 miles. But you know what? It didn't matter to us. We felt God called us. We felt we were in good order with the Lord and said, go. I remember them asking me, well, Reverend Blackburn, how much do you need a week in order to be our pastor? I said, I don't care. I really don't care. I've changed my mind now about that. <laughs> I've grown some. But I don't care. And you know, that attitude, I don't care, because some weeks, I got to tell you, I got a whopping 50 bucks. But some weeks, the little treasurer would come up and say, we don't have enough to pay you. I said, that's okay. Don't worry about it. And I meant it. How amazing that is, because God said, here's what I want you to do. What will we do? And say, God, for, as far as we know, we're about as close to you as we know how to be. We're going to follow you. We're going to see where it takes us. Here are three stages of resistance when you don't want to move like God. Number one, there's resistance to change. How many of you totally embrace change all the time in your life and you love it? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. Ladies, you want to find out from my husband who may have raised his hand? Just take the clicker out of his hands. <laughs> Just take it out. Okay? Call the cable company and say, no more sports channels in our house. And serve, then you call and say, and we also want you to take Hallmark out. <laughs> Resistant to change. Here's the other, tolerant of change. Some people tolerate it as long as it means other people. So I'm tolerant to change. I don't like it, but I can tolerate it as long as it relates to someone else. Here's the other. You embrace change. Now listen, you are not going to go spiritually and supernaturally without embracing what God is directing you to do as it relates to change in your life. So here's what God said. I want you to leave the influence that will not challenge you and in fact will hold you in a what I call a retarded mode and I want you to go where you're absolutely available to God. Go to the land. Here it is. Go to the land that I will show you. That I will show you. Abraham was challenged. So here, here's what he does, because he's developing. He's got immature faith. It's imperfect faith. So when he says, all right, a famine has come, he's a strategist. So what does he do? I think I'll run over to Egypt. Now, Egypt, my friend, was not considered to be a God-fearing, build-your-faith, hallelujah, showdown revival place. It was they hated Jehovah God. The spiritual influence there that anything under the sun in those days in Egypt went. There was no Jehovah, thus saith the Lord. And so what does Abraham do? Remember, he's got immature, imperfect faith. He moseys over there, and here's what he does to Sarah. Can you believe this? Just two of you say amen, okay? I can go with that. Believe it. He says, uh, Sarah, come here, darling. Do you know how many times, ever since the day I laid eyes on you, you are an absolutely unbelievable, attractive, bless you, woman. I mean, you are the cat's meow. You are a perfect tent. Look at you, my Lord, have mercy. Whew. 
Now we're coming into Egypt. And when those boys there lay their eyes on you, they're going to say, Woo! She's fine. How many of you ladies can relate to that? Go ahead. Amen. In Jesus. He said, so here's what I want you to say. He's setting up an absolute lie. Why? Because he is a sissy. His faith is not strong enough. He said, so here's what I want you to do. If they ask you who you are, you just casually say that you're my sister, not my wife. Well, why, Abraham, darling? Why would I want to tell them that? Listen, sugar baby, don't worry about it. You just trust me, okay? Because if they think that you're my babe, you're my wife, they'll kill me so they can get at you. And I love you so much, Sarah, but I ain't willing to give my life for you. You got it? So you're my sister. You're my sister. All right? Stay with me. So some of Pharaoh's boys see her. You know the story? They see her. They call Pharaoh up. They Snapchat. They text him, tweeted him. Pharaoh. There's a woman out here that we've inquired. Her brother's with her, and I'm telling you, you're going to need to bring her to the palace. Pharaoh said, really? Man, that'll give me probably 250. But you say she's just really beautiful. Yeah, bring her on in. He brought her in. She lied. See, here's, here's the crazy thing. Abraham went where he shouldn't be because he couldn't trust God when he got in trouble. And so here's what happened. When Sarah went to be with Pharaoh, Pharaoh brought her into the palace. And here's what it says. Some time had to lapse now because it said Abraham, he treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants, and maid servants, and camels. In other words, she was with him long enough that Abraham's assets grew. But God said, well, he inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household. Pharaoh said, how come I'm running a fever? How come I've got these boils on me? Why am I dizzy? Why, why, why do things look fuzzy? And God said to Pharaoh, you see the woman there? That's Abram's wife. Pharaoh got a hold, that's yard talk. He got a hold of Abraham. And said, why did you lie to me? Why did you tell me? Why did, why did you let me? Here it is now. You can say what poor Sarah went to. Why did you let me take your wife as my wife? You know what that means? 
She had to give herself to Pharaoh. Why did you let why did you let her come to be my wife when she's your wife? Listen, you can have her back because I'm tired of the disease. Who is responsible for that? What's his name? Abraham. Abraham, why? He had the imperfect faith. He didn't see God. God, you, what do you want me to do? You want me to stay here or run over to you? Here's something else. He had Lot. Remember we started out, hey, leave your family, leave your household, the whole works. Well, what does he do? He says, come on, bring Lot with us. Here's something else. Lot gave him problems. Lot gave him problems, and Lot, of course, had great difficulty. And what did he have to do? He had to run rescue Lot from Sodom. All those things that he should not have had to do. And you see, Abraham had the word of the promise, but God was allowing him to be exposed to challenges that he never would have experienced had he stayed where he was supposed to be. And if he had the faith, to believe that God was growing him in the midst of great difficulty. You've heard it over and over. What happens in you is far more important than what happens to you. So what, Jordan, do you have to cross? All the opportunities and trials were only there to expand the faith of Abraham. It was his time of growth. And we know that as he moved forward, he's seeking God. But Sarah now, I want you to follow this. See how it fits. Okay, do you think that Sarah had an axe to grind with Abraham when she had to go to Pharaoh's house and be Pharaoh's wife, and then they take her like a clump of sugar, and she goes back to Abraham. Do you think Sarah had any leverage over Abraham at all? May I tell you what you did to me, Buster? You traded me off as your sister, and I didn't say a word and I did everything that I was supposed to do. Now listen, I want to have a child in this house. You ever thought about that? You think she had leverage? I think she did. I want a child in this house. And so far, so far, we've done everything that we know to do. I want a child. Here is what you are going to do. You say, do you believe she talked to him like that? Well, let me just tell you something. Face reality. How many of you men have ever done something? You Well, I won't even go there. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Sure. Who? Bring, bring her in, Hagar. Here we go. Strangers in the night. <laughs> Ishmael comes. Now, I want to ask you this question. Carla, do you think Abraham was seeking God the way that he should have been seeking God during this time? He was reacting to his challenges and looking at them as challenges and as barriers instead of looking at them as God might be in the midst of this somewhere. And I'm going to stay 
loyal. I'm going to say faithful. Over and over and over again, he says, my blessing, my favor is upon your life. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply. I'm going to give you the land of promise. I'm going to make you a great nation. Never forget that every miracle that Jesus performed showed a process of preparation before it was necessary. Finally, it came to intentional obedience. Okay, he's grown in perfect faith. Now he's seeking God. He's learned through the school of hard knocks. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Abraham spoke the promise of God's blessing. Abraham's faith moved from imperfect faith through the challenges to growing faith. And now he is about to assume mature faith. And what is that going to take? Genesis 17, verse number 1. Here's what it says. God said, walk before me and be blameless. The key to God's blessing is simple obedience. And to obey is to simply comply. And God gives Abraham a a final opportunity. He's 115 years old. And God asked Abraham, I've watched you from imperfect faith to seeking faith. Now, based on the promises that I've given you, you're going to have to have to have a mature faith of a real spiritual giant. So when you ask for God's blessing and you ask for God's favor, here's the question. Are you ready to take the journey to become the kind of spiritual giant that will know how to manage what God is about to pour out on you. Because God will not waste his favor on someone who does not know how to manage it. Because he is a good steward. So think of what you might consider your most prized possession. Which kid is it? What is it? What is it? And that's exactly what God did. Does he have the right? The Bible says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Abraham's faith has matured. He's prayed it. God promised. He never consulted with Sarah. That's the last time he did that. He heard directly from God. He never questioned God. Never once. Why? He took his heart and Isaac to the altar, and he was prepared to take his life. He said to the servants, stay here with the donkey, and I'll go with the boy over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. There's your key. To be able to say we will worship, you've got to have one more kind of expectation about God's hand of deliverance on your life. We will worship. We will worship. Worship. What is worship? Worship is an act of obedience. It's not emotion. 
It's not just emotion. It's not a song. It's not a beat. It's not a rhythm. It is an act of obedience and submission to God. Worship me in what? In spirit and in truth. So he takes him, you know the story, and he places him there. And God rescued. Genesis twenty two sixteen. It's past now. And here's what God says. I swear, you see it, by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You obeyed me. President of the United States is going to go to Israel here really soon. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But he's going to walk in as the most powerful man in the world, the United States of America. But he's going to go into one of the most important pieces of real estate the world has ever known. When his plane lands, probably in Tel Aviv, because that'd be about the only airport that could take that size jet, he may not even know that the landing of his plane, and here's what it said. That his visit, he believes that he might be able to come back with a peace agreement between Israel and Palestine. When I heard that, I said, Donald, you're not in control here. You're not in control here. You might get it. You might come close to getting it. You might wrap it up with your business prowess, all of that. But here's what you may not know. God has a plan. And his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Do you believe that? So here we go. Here we go. So here's what happened. I can't be a, you're, you're going to be blessed and every city you're going to be able to conquer. So you and I can claim God's blessing. We have the power. God can test you in a consistent way, but his whole goal for you is preparing you for something bigger so that when that bigger happens, if you have the faith to believe it, you can properly manage it. But before you get there, there's going to be a lot of times you're going to slide into home plate and everybody's going to take a deep breath to wait to see what the umpire calls. And if it's God's will, he'll say safe. And if it's not, he'll say, up. Ah! And you know what you're going to have to do? Get up and go again. 
Amen? But that's okay if you desire the will of the Heavenly Father. Amen? Let's put our hands together and just thank Him. We praise you in Jesus' name. Would you stand, please? Do not pause to listen to the words that I speak to you. Do not allow yourself to be drawn in by misinformation. Do not allow yourself to run through a barrier that is there for your good. But lean on my direction and my spirit. Lean on the path that I have and do not be afraid for I will take you exactly where I need you to be positioned so that you might be blessed and I might be exalted. Amen. Bow your heads. Here we go. If you're not right with Jesus, we're going to pray this prayer right now and you can get right. So you just repeat it after me. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm ashamed. And I need forgiveness. Come into my heart and give me favor as I seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Didn't God answer prayer? Amen. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to sing this little chorus. If, if God speaks to you, can you be obedient? Can you, can you go all the way to Canaan and not stop along the way? Can you, can you just go all the way? Say, I trust you. If I don't have anything left, if I don't have anything left, some of you know what it is to have your, 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 the rug pulled right out from under you. And you're filleted open. You think, how in the world? This doesn't even resemble what I thought I was headed to do. It's gone. Poof. Amen. So be obedient. We'll give the benediction here in a minute. Here we go. Let's sing it together, everybody.